1 Samuel. Well, we'll actually begin in the 27th chapter. I want to thank the Lord for the church. Gave it to us 2,000 years ago. Gave us to it and gave it to us. A little bit of heaven on earth. According to Revelation, the definition of heaven to God. Here's what God thinks about heaven. He said, I will be with my people. I will walk among them. They shall be with me. That's what he thinks heaven is. And so he gave us church where he can walk with us, be with us. We can come in here and be with him. I know his presence is constant. He's omnipresent. But that manifested presence is something else. That happens with the church. And I bless the Lord. Thank God for church. Thank God for the Bible. God wrote us a book. He did. Old wise preacher said that book will be whatever you think it is. He said how you approach that Bible is how God gives it to you. If you approach it with unbelief, he won't let you believe it. If you think it's a personal love letter to you, he'll he'll whisper sweet nothing to you all day long out of it. If you think it's a strict rule book, that's all you'll ever see in it, strict rules. Telling you, that book, is deeper than depth. It's higher than height. That book is louder than sound. It's longer than time. And however you come at it is how it comes back to you. And if you think it's just full of God and his marvel and majesty and glory, that's all you'll see in it is God. <laughs> What about that? I'm so at home. Not even drink in front of y'all. Church is amazing. We come into the throne room of a king, and yet it's the living room of our father. And it just, you know, sometimes you're in the living room like kids sprawled on the floor and just sitting in there with your family. And another time you walk in and there's angel choirs and blasts from trumpets and seraphim and flames and holy, holy, holy God. And we bow in awe. That's church. Sometimes you walk in, it's a hospital. You're bleeding and he just nurses. Every time I see 
somebody hit the altar and, and, and people go pray with them. I say, Look at them white blood cells. That's what I always say. Amen. Okay, I was giving you enough time to find First Samuel. I, some of y'all were struggling, I could see. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord's going to help us. You young preachers don't ever turn church into performance. That's how you mess it up. And don't try to have a good service either. It ain't none of your business. Just meet and assemble. Let God do whatever God does. It ought to be very real. And here in a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised if America, we have to get events transpire, and in your lifetime, it's underground church. Then it won't matter if the lights are right and the air is right and the pews feel good and sound systems work. Won't none of that matter when you're huddled up in a warehouse at midnight. Won't none of that matter. It's going to be real. These poor contemporary boys who done turned it into a theater. And I mean so many props have to work and... And, and all everything, you know, the lighting, I mean, it's quite a presentation. What are they going to do when church is no longer a show? And you got to sing hymns that you know every word without a book. And somebody's got to whisper the scripture without a Bible. Because it's hidden your heart. We really need to get over our performance, uh, our concept of coming in here, and we need, we need to come in with a lot more reality, Amen. and I bless the Lord, amen, 1 Samuel 27, I got about a whole bunch of preaching in here, I, We'll just try to feed until y'all are full, and then we'll go home. How's that? I don't have any points or sub points. I figured if God's making a point, I wouldn't want to mess it up by me trying to trying to make a point. But I have four, five things that start with the letter P. That's very Baptist, but I ain't interested in them. They look a little boring. It felt really good when I wrote it down. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's actually looking pretty good. But the Lord spoke to me out of this text the other night. I came back from one of our mission trips. God did wonderful things in Albania. And uh, Brother Simpson, you're going to be jealous of me on this. We got, uh, Brother Jordan, we got to do a thing I'd never done in 15 years of going to Eastern Europe, Albania. We had two days, and Brother Aaron Wilson said, we're going to Greece, come on. And we drove through Acts 16. 
I stood there in Thessalonica. Went to the top of the hill where he preached and walked down to the synagogue. Still there. And Berea. Went to Berea. And we went to the little spot on the river, ancient times. It's The ruins are still there. And the spot where Lydia sat when she got saved. And we went to Philippi. And that city is still right there, all laid out, ancient ruins. And there's a jail there. Looks like it had a big shake-up. <laughs> the jailhouse rocked. <laughs> Those of you that loved Elvis in a previous life, sorry to distract you. We stood there at the jail, Brother Simpson and Philippi. We went on down to Neapolis, which is the little port where Paul heard that Macedonian call and came in, walked up that Roman road that's still there, 2,500-year-old cobblestones. We came back, and uh, we got our first preacher boy in Albania. God called a boy to preach I preached a revival over there. The missionaries said, come preach a revival. And God gave us our first 15 years of labor over there. And a 15-year-old boy, God called him to preach. Amen. It's our first one. Amen. And you know how he announced his call? He walked up to the pulpit. And we all looked at him. And he came up and turned around and stood. And he said, turn in your Bible and preach five minutes. And then he said, then he said, that was my first sermon. I was so nervous. <laughs> and God was dripping all over it. And the next night, when we were all done, he did it at the very end every time. I, I, I think he got something in his own mind how it works. <laughs> and he walked up again, and this time we all looked and started crying, and he stood up there without nobody knowing and stood there again. Turn in your Bibles. First, I will preach in English. Then I will preach in Albanian. And we like, okay. <laughs> and he preached about five minutes. And then he said, that was only my second message. I was so nervous. That's what he told us. And I got a polo video today of him sitting in the office with the missionary having their first Bible doctrine training session. Amen. Hallelujah. So anybody wants to, I guess, walk up here and turn around and start preaching. <laughs> we'll know you're a preacher. If any of you girls want to try that, <laughs> I don't know what y'all can do. <laughs> ah! Pastor said, don't do that. <laughs> I like causing him problems. 1 Samuel 27, 
And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Folks, I may not be long tonight. David got tired of the turmoil. And he said, I'm quitting. So I've, I've come just to tell you tonight, if you're tired of of the of all the trouble. Don't quit. <laughs> yeah. We get there. We get there. Look in chapter twenty six. I just noticed this while I was standing here. I marked this verse years ago, but I had noticed it to just now. Chapter 26, verse 10. David was pretty encouraged right here. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. Hmm. Only took 15 verses to lose that. Only took 15 verses to lose that. It was on my heart. Uh, I've got a message God gave me out of chapter 30, and that's where my little structure is. But this is just big on me tonight, this text. And David said in his heart, I liked what he said in 2610. As the Lord liveth. Something happened over yonder. He got tired of the way he was having to live. In the wilderness. In the caves. Running from Saul. So I think tonight the Lord just wants to encourage our hearts. Don't get tired in this thing. <laughs> y'all have been a, y'all have been a good church a long time. There've been some real Christians in here a long time, and we can get weary in this thing. New Christians hadn't had time; they've not run into their self yet. They've, they've not run into a couple of Baptists yet. They hadn't hit none of them brick walls yet. They ain't had time to get to where I'm tired of living in this trial. Do you know this thing hit him after he did one of the most great, greatest things he ever did? Do y'all remember when he was in the cave? Saul was asleep in the cave and they came upon him. And everybody said, go ahead and kill him. You're the anointed king anyway, which was true. That's right. 
But I want to say something to y'all. I don't care what God has made you and what He's promised you and what His purpose for you is. You wait on God to bring that around. I'm just going to talk to y'all a minute and I'm going to quit. Jacob got in awful trouble. God had promised him the birthright, but him nor his mama believed God was working fast enough. And they worked it out to get that birthright. Deceived uh, their father, Isaac, and angered Esau. And, and run out there and made a mess just to get something that God was going to give him. Need a little help. Hmm? And that's what they said to David. And all that's in chapter 26. Matter of fact, when he's speaking uh, and saying the right thing, in 2610, that was his answer to them. See verse 7. David and Abishai came to the people about and Saul lay sleeping within the trench. Verse 8, that's when they said to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Are y'all looking in 26:8? Smite him, I pray thee, with the spirit. Hey, y'all, it ain't never our business to smite anybody. That just ain't our business. Now maybe somebody's not spiritual minded and everybody has to break everything down for you and you irritate us because you need a spiritual mind. But I mean if you go down there to Waffle House and a man jumps on your wife, you need to smite him hip and thigh. Put an Old Testament dispensation whooping on him. There is a time. Can I get a witness? But oh, when it comes to our life and, and the events and the circumstances and the enemies and the trials, and the, it ain't never our business to take matters into our own hand and kill the enemy. God. Saul, God will deal with this. Saul died in the last chapter. I think it's 31. What's the last chapter of first, first sound? Is it 31? Appreciate you reading your Bible, Pastor. I read mine in the late 80s. I maybe need to catch up. 31 chapters. And in that 31st chapter, Saul, hey, y'all don't know what? Saul killed himself. The enemy done come upon him and, and the battle got set sore and he said, oh my goodness, these Philistines, they'll abuse me. And he said to the man standing there, I think the armor bearer, run the sword through me. Lest these Philistines come up. And said, I'm not going to do it. Saul fell on his own sword. It's not up to us to kill our enemy. You live enough chapters and he'll kill himself. Years ago, I wrote down three things about David, how David handles it, handled his enemies. 
he wouldn't. He wouldn't. When it came to uh, uh, Saul, he wouldn't. This is the chapter 26. He wouldn't touch God's anointed. In that cave, he said, let him live. When it came to Absalom, his own son conspired and took the kingdom with, with bloodshed. David humbled himself with a broken heart, come off that throne and went down the backside of that hill and crossed over, crossed over. What's that? I'm still jet lagging. Kidron, the brook Kidron. And he crossed over Kidron. I blame the jet lag. I just, it's convenient. <laughs> he crossed over the brook Kidron. A foretelling of when our Savior would cross over the brook Kidron the night that Judas would come to kiss him. David crossed, and, but he begged his generals and his mighty men about Absalom, his son. Let him alone. And even in those chapters, as David is heading out, here comes, uh, what was that guy's name, Abishai? Shimei, casting rocks. And I need you to come with me to all my meetings, Brother Simpson, please. Casting rocks and dirt and cursing him. And you know what David said? Them mighty men grabbed their swords. We will put a stop to this right now. David said, let him curse. <laughs> hey, y'all, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a little issue of control. Yeah. You know, your problem with being filled with the Holy Spirit is not sin. It ain't sin in your life. Problem of being filled with the Spirit of God is their self. There's a battle for control. Self or spirit? Who's going to control you? And that's why sin can control you because self is the root problem. Self's on the throne. And why you're having a problem with sin is caught not because of that sin, but because of self. And if you'll crawl off that throne and let God sit on it, there'll be power to get rid of sin. David just turned loose and wouldn't let him live. Been trying to kill me all this time, and I've had to live in the wilderness and hide in caves like a vagabond and an outlaw. Smite him, let him live. I'll not touch God's anointing. The man had been anointed king. I'm going to say something to you. You live in the south and, and you go to church your whole life, there's going to be conflicts and problems with preachers and churches. Either a church gets stupid and attacks the preacher, the preacher gets stupid and attacks the church. Hang around a little bit, you know. If you want to get hurt in church, go longer than three weeks. We will hurt you. <laughs> Come on in here. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't touch God's anointed. 
I don't care if he's gone sour, gone bad, trying to kill you with javelins. And he's laying in front of you asleep in a cave and everybody around you saying, this is God's will. You're God's man. Go ahead and kill him. Back out of that cave and say, I ain't going to touch the Lord's anointing. And before, hallelujah, before you get in your next book, he'll be dead. Second Samuel. God's always got a second chapter. I would swing from a chandelier, but I can't reach it. <laughs> Woo! And y'all liable to went cheap and just attached it to a plastic thing up there. <laughs> and Protestant churches got the money. We just, that's probably duct tape on the other side of that thing. My last year of ministry, I'm going to become a Southern Baptist so I can retire. <laughs> They'll say, he compromised. I'll say, I don't care. i got a good retirement. Right there, right there. <laughs> Folks, control. That's what Joe Parsons said about the spirit-filled life. That's what Brother Dana Williams said to me about the spirit-filled life. There's going to be a wrestling match for control. Jacob, God had to touch him and break him. He tried to control and manipulate everything in his life. David, thank God, would just say, let him, let him live. Let him alone. Let him curse. Now, he had battles. You know what battles David would fight? He wouldn't fight his own battles. He'd fight God's. <laughs> Who is that cussing Philistine? Y'all get me a minute. I got to get back to babysitting sheep. Give me one minute, please. I can shut him up. <laughs> Help me now. I got a bear rug and a lion mane hanging in my little goat tent back there. I can handle this, y'all. Give me a minute. Hey, man! Fought the Philistines. He'd fight the godly battles. Folks, one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn in life is to fight the good fight. Don't fight the wrong fights. Flip backwards to chapter 17. If you're not able to flip backwards, just take the pages of your Bible and turn back there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm too relaxed around y'all. One night, somebody's just going to start flipping backwards, and I'm going to have so much fun at church that night. There's one in every crowd. Flip backwards. Okay. Are y'all in chapter 17? Fight the good fight. This is where he killed Goliath. He fought, he fought a good fight. You know who he wouldn't fight? 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. And Eliab. 17, 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Watch this. He's fixing to project. You know, the only thing that can come out of your mouth is what's in your heart. Right. 
He's fixing to do some major projecting here. I know thy pride. I wonder who had the problem with pride. And the naughtiness of thine heart. I wonder who had a naughty, naughty heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. I wonder who was already just looking at the battle. I wouldn't fight it. Folks, verse 29 is what it's going to take to make sure you fight the right battles and how to handle things when it's not time to fight. David said two questions you need to ask. By the way, look at me. Isn't it wonderful that all across all across this world, David and Goliath, that story's been taught. David and Goliath on 10,000 foreign mission fields and 10 million little Sunday school classes. I mean, after Moses and the Red Sea, Daniel and the Lion's Den, David and Goliath and Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah. All the flannel Sunday school. I'm, I'm old enough to have grown up when they had little flannel boards in Sunday school. Amen. <laughs> what if David had a fault Eliab? What if he'd have fought his older brother, his big brother? Probably got whipped. The power of God wouldn't have been in that fight. And big brother would have whooped him. But he refused to fight his brother. Y'all get in the wrong fights, God will let you lose. What he said spoke deeply to my heart years ago. Two things to do when you're confronted by a brother that you're not supposed to fight and when you're confronted by a fight you're not supposed to enter. Two things. What have I now done? And is there not a cause? Did you know that David could have easily started telling stories about that rascal? He could have talked for a while about what you've done. David could have told stories because he just got accused and humiliated by his big brother in front of the entire army. It's embarrassing for a young man in front of all the other young men. It's embarrassing. Humiliating. David didn't say, well, let me, let me tell all of y'all what he done when he was 12, when he was 15. That one day when he, David had no self-defense. He just had a self-examination. He said, what have I done? It's to help your marriages. And I married a woman so I can sympathize, fellas. (laughs) She's not here. I have the courage to say these things. You better not be live streaming this. <laughs> Just when you think you got your world together, God lets you marry another human. <laughs> and then when y'all finally realize how selfish and immature you was and you get all that worked out, then he gives you a third human. <laughs> it's like, wow, I didn't think we were still selfish. <laughs> 
I don't know what kind of judgment for you to have four or five of them in your life. I mean, you must be in a bad shape, God fixing you that good. <laughs> Why don't you look at your husband and wife next time it gets inflammatory and there's ugly things and there's demonic things and there's unconfessed things and there's things coming because y'all ain't grown up yet and you ain't sanctified your hearts and you ain't humbled yourself and why don't you look at them instead of telling them what they did why don't you ask them what have I done (laughs) that'd be a sudden shift that'd be a paradigm shift in your little house My wife complimented me our last anniversary. She did a big post. I preach against Facebook, but I want her to have one, see, <laughs> to show pictures of our baby. I don't have one, bless my britches. I got a standard, but Jennifer has one. <laughs> I'm for a lot of things I'm against. I have standards, and I, you know. She complimented me on our last anniversary. She said several good things, and I kept shelling out the $100 bills. <laughs> keep typing, baby, keep typing. But Jennifer said, and he's quick to apologize. That's a compliment. I don't know if it really was or if something she wanted and wanted me to read that. <laughs> oh, okay, I will be from now on. <laughs> what have I now done? John 13, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you dress right. I think you ought to dress right, but that ain't what he said. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if your Sunday school pen is 40 years long. I think you ought to be faithful. But that ain't what he said. But they shall all be known that you're my disciples if you carry that family Bible under your arm and straighten out everybody you run into. Folks, he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. And it's certainly not this sloppy, agape group hug, sway with the carnal song. We all love each other. No, it's the love of God. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. What have I now done? And then the second question, is there not a cause? Which simply means this thing ain't about you. It ain't about me. I will tell you this about social media. And I think the reason Facebook might be okay is ain't nobody on there but Grandma and Grandpa and Uncle Bob. <laughs> and they're like, hey, did Grandpa buy this car in 52? Yeah, I believe so. And all the young people are on Instagram. That's what we got to be against now. <laughs> Let me tell you something about social media. It's one great old big look at me, listen to me. I am the cause David was saying that 
to his brother, there's something here bigger than me and you. Scribbled something down. Got stung. Got stabbed a little here just the other day. And I was on the front row of church yesterday morning. The Lord just, he whispered to me, healed me. You know, you go to church and get healing. Yeah. And quit looking for it. Bleed until he stops it. There's probably stuff coming out of you needs to come out of you. Quit demanding God heal you just because you're tired of hurting. God will let you live in the wilderness with Saul chasing you as long as he thinks you need it. All this, if God don't fix me right before the end of the week, then the world's come to an end. He'll fix things when he's good and ready. And I... Actually been bleeding about two to three years over this thing pretty heavy. There must have been a lot of Dean in me because he let me bleed a long time. <laughs> and uh, yesterday morning in church, Brother Simpson, the Lord whispered to me. Some things kind of came to a head over a couple of days and God finally let it finish out. And he whispered to me Sunday morning. He said in the Old Testament, Joseph was mistreated and abused by his older brothers. And in the New Testament, Jesus was misunderstood and mistreated and disrespected by his younger brothers. And just him telling me that fixed it all. <laughs> it just healed up my little heart. And I shouted for an hour and they couldn't figure out why. And I said, I ain't telling you unless you take me to Waffle House. You buy the chili. I spill the beans. That's the closest thing to turning loose is when a Baptist goes to Waffle House and orders chili. Huh? He said, Joseph, Joseph, my son, was hated by his older brothers. And Jesus was misunderstood. His brothers did not believe on him until after the resurrection. Y'all know some things ain't going to be validated until you die. You'll be all right while you live. You ought to fix some things after your death and resurrection. And all of that symbolic, God might need a death and resurrection in your life so you can be a heavenly creature filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when he'll fix things. Y'all doing all right? Amen. And there's something to that, Brother Simpson. I don't know what it is yet. I, 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 meditation. Needs some Meditation. Not medication, but meditation. And don't y'all be doing medication to help your meditation. <laughs> they said Spurgeon smoked a pipe, and he also wrote the best sermons. I'm wondering. I don't know. I don't know. Boys, don't be doing it. <laughs> and when I wrote that in my notes right over there, there's a dispensational thing going on. 
Joseph, his older brothers. And always in that Old Testament, it was the ones that come before you that's trying to kill you. Cain, Abel, Esau, Jacob, something about that. But in the church world, it'll be people under you. That hurt you. It'll be little brothers. It'll be converts that you've been that you've won. It'll be it'll be people that you've served. I'm not smart enough to say what I'm a seeing. I see what I'm a seeing, and it's whoa, but I can't say what I'm seeing. Y'all gotta figure it out. In the church world, it's things that you're over. In them old covenants, it was things you were under. Mm. Anyhow, y'all, when y'all figure out what that means, please come and tell me and I'll preach it. <laughs> he's not helping me now. I, I looked at him. He's not helping me now. No, there's something to that. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Let's go to 27.1. Let's finish it up tonight. Let's parse this verse for just a moment. I'm not starting my message. I'm, I'm ending it. <laughs> I've heard fellas do that. I thought they was about done and they were getting started. I was like, oh. I mean, I love church, but come on, fella. <laughs> you know you ought to be closing right now. Why are you starting this sermon? <laughs> Y'all don't act like you're more spiritual than me. You know that's right. Somebody tell that guy he's already preached. <laughs> oh, I'm too relaxed around here. Let's look at 27.1. Let's pick it apart for a minute and see if God will help us. And David said in his heart, folks, right there is where you're going to get in trouble when you start listening to yourself. When you start listening to yourself. Your heart, is, your heart will lie. Your thoughts and your emotions are never right. Some people get right with God and they lay their television on the altar and lay their cigarettes on the altar. And I, you probably should, both of them. But if, if y'all could bring something else down here, it'd really help the church. Bring your thoughts and your opinions. Please, bring your feelings and lay them on this altar. Your old Adamic nature has never responded right to God, never reacted right to God, and you ain't got enough sense to have wisdom. It's got to come from God. And what you need to haul in there to your secret place, and it ain't Eliab, but it ain't Saul. It's yourself. I don't think anybody ever heard from Eliab again. That'd be worth looking up. I don't think he's ever mentioned again in the Bible. People wanting to fight the wrong enemy. Why wasn't Big Brother over there getting in the giant's face, mouthing off to him? David said in his heart, first mistake. Now look what he said. I shall now perish one day. By the, well, by the hand of Saul. Well, that was a lie. 
Remember Elijah got under a juniper tree and wished for himself to die because he thought he was scared to die? <laughs> Isn't that funny? He's like, God, she's going to kill me, so kill me. <laughs> Tell you, you don't need to listen to yourself. Elijah said, God, I'm so afraid she's going to kill me, so just kill me. <laughs> I thought killing was what she's afraid of. Y'all quit listening to yourself. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to die, so just let me die. Sorry, I'm still thinking that's funny. (laughs) And you know one thing Elijah never did do? He never did die. God is like, I love, my, I love my preacher so much. He's afraid of dying. You know, that, don't even let him die. Just go get him. And Elijah said, never did die. Isn't that great? What a mess. I'm afraid I'm going to die, so just let me die. Look, no, no, this is such an issue. You're not dying. Good night. Getting on my nerves. Okay, don't let him die. Straight, straight shot right to it. I said, now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Nope. You know who perished by the hand of Saul? Saul did. Fell on his own sword. Next line. I said, now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me. Brother Jordan, I've seen the Lord helping you up here. Good night. I'm glad you've been having a terrible time. Because <laughs> we sure got blessed. Because I told Job, I said, look at that. The Lord's helping Daniel. I said, he's getting, he's, he's getting, he's getting help. It, the overflow was splashing on us down there. Whatever you've been going through, I'm sorry, but we're glad. <laughs> Because God is helping you real good, and that helped all of us. That helped all of us. Folks, we better be real when we go to church. Let me say something to y'all. I appreciate, I appreciate your pastor. No pretense. No pretense. Isn't that good? Performance is for Hollywood. It ain't for the kingdom of God. And... and, and it's probably going to be a good day when we have to meet in the barn. These platforms mess everything up. I don't know if they had church that everybody's staring at people up there doing stuff. I think, I don't, I think they just got together in a wad. <laughs> huh? We got microphones and spotlights and chief seats. Just tore our generation up. There's nothing better for me. In 2 Samuel, chapter 2, chapter 1, God removes all of his enemies. Chapter 2, they make him a king. Y'all ain't helping me. Don't make me go there and preach it. I told you I was trying to be at the end of my sermon, not the beginning. God made the whole 2 Samuel's being the king. There's nothing better for me. You have no idea what God's got planned for you. It's a lie. There's nothing better for me. Next, next line. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore. 
Well, that was true. That was true. Saul quit, Saul quit looking for him. And I'll preach this other stuff, maybe, if the Lord wants me, tomorrow night. David went down and moved in with the Philistines. He, he, he lived in Gath. Now, I'm not going to open up all that. Saul quit looking for him because he went to a much worse place than the wilderness. You want the enemy to quit looking for you? Turn yourself over to worser enemies. That wasn't a good idea. When you quit running from the trials that got in the wilderness and the caves, when you quit, when you give up in all that and walk away, let me tell you something, it's far better to be in God's trial than in a trial you made for yourself. It's much better for you to be in a place of suffering than a place of chastening. Mm. Mm. Is there another line? So shall I escape. Y'all are trying to get out of something that God put you in. You'll be fine. Job was fine. When he got to the 42nd chapter, it all got better. If God put you in there, don't try to escape. Sister Jordan, would you come to the piano? Is that all right, Pastor? Family, would you come up here quietly? And I want you all to keep listening to me. I'm going to ask them to sing. We're going to pray. I stood there in Philippi, and I went down to that jail. I found it for the rest of our men. They were looking at some columns and some things. I left them. I hopped over a tour guide rope, and I nearly went to jail. <laughs> With Paul, that would have been great. Paul went to jail in Philippi, and so did Dean. <laughs> oh, my. I got on the wrong side of the rope looking for it. And three officials scurried out. Sorry, sorry, you come over here. I said, I'm coming. I, I just want to see the prison. Don't really want to go to the prison. I got over there and looked in there. You remember what Paul did in that jail? God opened the thing with an earthquake. And that Philippian jailer was going to fall on his sword and die because that had been better than what his superiors would have done to him. But Paul had done told everybody, everybody be still. We're not going to try to escape. What about when God opens up your prison? You still don't need to be in no hurry to run out. God may want to save somebody before you get out. You know, my life scripture as a boy y'all's age, I've always loved this front row. A dozen young men. I've always been so encouraged to come to your place here knowing there's some boys on the front. They didn't know the old men of God. They're going to say, we heard Brother Dean. We heard Brother Gravely. We heard men of God. You put a little something in their life.
That's encouraged me as if a thousand people showed up. I'm telling you, because I know that these is a group of 12 disciples that God's going to raise up. I know that. And for me to be able to pour my little portion into them thrills the fire out of me. It does. You know my life scripture when I was a boy was the 63rd Psalm. Oh God, and it saved my life and it sustained me a while when all the hell was trying to kill me. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. I will lift up my hands in thy name. You know what it says under Psalm 63, the little caption? A Psalm of David. When he was in the wilderness. Woo! The earthquake and the prison opened up, and Paul wouldn't even escape. Ha! You're gonna be all right where you at, folks. Don't run down and get in. Get in. Don't run down and get in bad trouble. Stay in your God trial. Don't run down and get in man trouble. Stay in your wilderness. Stay in that prison. There's a soon chapter coming. Saul's going to fall on his own sword. God's got a scepter for you and a crown for you. Our heads are bowed. I want us to stand.